0: Welcome to Pair Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wildbow's most scholastic work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And as is tradition for our reflecting episodes, this episode reflecting on Gone Ahead, we've brought in some guests. Uh, We have Camtist, Side Zero, and The White Duke, all players from the Mile End campaign that we covered on this show a while back. Uh,
1: Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, I'm Camptist. I wrote the character Gale Newman.
2: Uh, I'm Side Zero, and I'm responsible for Bobby Hall. <laughs> uh, and I'm the
3: White Duke, and I take no responsibility for Tara. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo-
0: <laughs> oh, I love that vibe of taking responsibility for your Someone character. Someone has to. Bobby's not <laughs> going to. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so, of course, we've brought you three on to just share ruminations about... Pale in general and uh, obviously gone ahead, this arc, Arc 7 in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, let's first give a bit of an arc summary because, again, it was a long one, a lot of stuff happened in it. Um, so, at the start of this arc in 7.1, Verona and the gang are catching up on what they missed at school, and we finally get a bit of Oni Goss, and then the Canteers call in some backup others.
4: Yes, and then we launched into 7.2, uh, which is the one where Lucy, yeah, where Lucy helped Avery, John, and the goblins like TP, Bristow's place, uh, and then they all made it back to the workshop they were staying in to get a good
1: night's sleep before they all got kicked out, uh, and Lucy did some therapy. Then in 7.3, you had Avery and the gang send Elpie home among the forest, discuss some tactics, and then get attacked by a terrifying bag-headed arena monster.
2: And then in the Borrowed Eyes comic, Alexander uh, saves the earth and carpools. We see the world through Bristow's eyes via Alexander as he begins his infiltration of Sergeant
3: Hall. In 7.4, Nicolette brings Bristow's pitch of peace, taxes, and tyranny to Avery and the gang. They come up with a counteroffer of their own, giving Bristow's thanks to the brownies. They keep it up their sleeve for five whole minutes before pulling the trigger and running off to class.
0: <laughs> it's, it's crazy for me to think just how. Slapdash their plans, <laughs> and then it all managed to work out. It was great. <laughs> like look,
3: they were like, we'll do it later, and then they didn't.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and then it all just kind of, well, I don't know if worked out is necessarily the word, <laughs> but it started the snowball rolling downhill at least. Um, so in 7.5, Ray attempts to teach everyone all the cool ways you can otherize objects or objectify others. But for some reason, the class is distracted. After things wrap up, Shelley impersonates Durochet and picks a fight with the Kenneteers.
4: Uh, and then we jumped into 7.6, uh, which follows Verona sort of scrambling to come up with a plan as Avery and Lucy do most of the work against Shelley. Uh, just as the brownies show up and things are looking to go bad, a couple of quick trips to the ruins uh, and some help from Ray fend everything off for now.
1: Then in 7.8, we have an interlude with good old Kevin. We see in his head and he has a... Interesting dinner with his friends and some practitioners, then directly breaks into Alexander's domain. There, he tries to find out more about the world before Bristow guides him in the direction of murdering children.
2: (laughs) And then in 7.7, Avery and the students get a special guest lecture from the prestigious Toad Swallow before (laughs) Bristow and Musser show up to beat up some children and kill Lila. As Lucy and Verona get captured, Avery is pushed into the ruins. In 7.8, we get
3: back to Verona's angle on the fight with Bristow and his cronies. Almost snatched by the brownies, Verona convinces them to give her a few more hours to beat Bristow before she and Lucy are captured. Ted Wood gives a rousing speech about how we live in a society, and maybe (laughs) Bristow's one of those heroes who kills kids for the right reasons. (laughs) Luckily, with some help from their friends, and America, they escape and Verona begins her revenge plans.
0: Yes, uh, in Can We Talk About the Girls... Jazz gathers the relevant Kennetier parents to discuss how they're all secretly practitioners. We don't see (laughs) that part, but I'm assuming that happens. Um, They also just discuss how things are going with the trio in general. We learn how Avery's dad is kind of useless, and honestly, I'm starting to suspect Verona's dad, Brett, isn't too great of a parent either. Uh, Despite all the other connection blockers and stuff, Matthew and Edith happen to come up in the topic of conversation as an oddity.
4: Uh, yep, and then we jump straight back into uh, the Blue Heron conflict uh, in 7.9, ten- way getting her wounds tended to by new best friend Jess, uh, and Snowdrop and her reconnect and share some chocolate, or various kinds of chocolate. Uh, then the final battle begins as Avery literally uses the power of friendship to win the day.
1: And in the last portion of the chapter, 7.x, we get Alexander's perspective and see before when he and his friends were young and... Carefree, but still kind of shitty. Now, when he's super shitty, and after. After John shoots him in the head and scars Lucy forever.
0: Mm, good times. A good end to the chapter. <laughs> um, whew, what a chapter it was as well. What did we all yeah. think of it?
2: I I really love that interlude. It's one of my favorite interludes in the story so far.
0: The I've Alexander waiting, interlude. Like,
1: mm-hmm. mm. I didn't trust it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as you should. As you should.
1: That something was something felt off the entire time. Something felt off about Alexander's death. I feel like.
0: Ah. <laughs> are we putting our tinfoil hats on already? Is what What are you trying to say?
1: <laughs> I didn't believe it when he got <laughs> shot. <and>
0: I'm still <laughs> worried. <laughs> it was secretly think- Shelley, you know, glammed up to look like a shot Alexander, <laughs> but actually. <laughs>
2: But did we ever see the body?
0: <laughs> well, I mean... Lucy definitely. <laughs> <Yes>. Lucy did. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy saw um, too
2: much. Yeah.
3: Ah, I don't think he bought it either, in terms of he was so convinced that he had everything under control and that he was going to unveil his mm. master plan uh, that it caught him as off guard as it did the rest of us.
1: Uh, oh yeah, that's that's probably what was throwing me off. <laughs> it just seemed so sudden. He was
2: absurdly confident that entire like back half, where he's just like, "Ah, oh, you see, I called the lords in Moscow. They, they, they're gonna take out Ray for me." And like, <laughs> two minutes later, he he's taken care of by John.
0: Yeah, it's that vibe that you see in. I think it happened in like '80s movies a lot, where the villain is so sure of themselves that they almost can't believe that they're getting beaten as it's happening. Right. <laughs> and it's such a cathartic feeling for someone so smug to be like in disbelief that they're dying. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's a very fun, I mean, maybe I feel bad calling it cathartic, but it is a very fun. It, it was really cathartic. not it, it,
1: it was very cathartic. Yeah.
0: I, I also want to pull out the, can we talk about the girls chapter? Because what a great chapter that was. I don't know yeah. what mm. it was, but the vibe of just characters' parents talking about them is so much fun. If you had told me
2: that would have been like a chapter at like beginning of the story, I it's interesting. It's a lot more interesting than I'd expect. Yeah. Cause like we 'cause it has like the tension of like Avery's plot line's been running in the background, and we like see like VD as like an actual person. We get mm. his name. Brett. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um yeah I I I agree it's so interesting cuz it's something you just don't see very often in books with like young teenage protagonists is actually a chapter that steps aside and treats their parents like people yeah. um like the that other side of the coin isn't usually considered as much and it was a nice break cuz it, it it takes place right in the middle of like the peak of the blue heron mm. like stuff going down like it's right between Verona starting her three moves against bristow so it's this nice sort of little break from the, the core action i suppose they're relaxing
3: yeah i think most of the time you get uh these young adult novel sort of situations where you've got these young protagonists uh and the audience you're sort of expecting to be in their head siding with them uh and it's very mm. much we're kids we know what we're doing parents suck um but i think Wildbow has enough sort of uh practice by now with going outside of the traditional perspective and trust his audience to some degree that, uh, we can jump into, you know, the stuffy old parents, uh, and genuinely some of them are awful parents, uh, and still, yeah, respect that as, you know, a genuine human point of view.
4: Yeah. I think it's that treating them as people that that really makes the difference. I think a lot of young adult stuff, it treats parents as these figures or as the enemy or something.
2: dumb boomers who are like you know they don't understand us (laughs) yeah i feel like that's definitely verona's point of view at least (laughs) which is true in her case
0: but yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it is undeniably true to an extent that they don't understand them
4: yeah Hmm. but i think that's why like it works because it it, 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 like it is it is true but like you know while both sort of treating them as people and sort of exploring a bit like why that's the case Mm. as opposed to just
1: having it be true and and gospel
5: Mm-hmm.
1: it's also kind of fascinating to see Brett. It's not just that it's the usual Brett, but we see how it's a lot subtler here and mm-hmm. how these parents might not be able to pick up on it as well. And Avery's mom and um, Lucy's mom definitely have, but it's not quite as clear cut in just this circumstance alone. Yeah, absolutely. I
4: mean, Avery's dad volunteers to hang out with him. After, yeah. So, like, he clearly well, didn't get it.
3: I mean, I think he's pretty oblivious in general, so I'm not totally surprised he falls for that trap. <laughs> God, the 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 double speak there, where he's like, "Oh, I'm thinking that you know, my daughter's getting willful and shouting at me, uh, and maybe we should send her to one of those camps." Where, as someone who actually knows what Brett's like, uh, we're just cringing in horror at the potential for that. Um, but the mm. other parents are like maybe that's not a great idea, but I can see where you're coming from.
2: I really appreciate Jazz just being there, being like the voice of reason. Avery's mom, gets, Avery's mom gets good points too.
4: Yeah, they're definitely the standouts.
3: Just that, like, have you considered listening to what your daughter's saying? Is this, like, revolutionary <laughs> worldview.
2: Yeah, that's not... Avery's parents don't have as much experience of that.
3: <laughs> I thought the, um, j- jumping around to uh the other bonus material... Uh, the Borrowed Eyes comic was amazing. I thought uh, mm. it was another one of those places where the interweaving of the text and the like visual medium stuff uh, was, I think, really well done. Uh, it just added something that, like the just the the cool like practiciness of it, right, where he's like pulling out his own eye yes. and sticking it in a bird, and combining bits of Bristow to get like it's all like if he if it had just sort of been described in general, it wouldn't have that like real mysticism about it.
1: I think it was one of the most showing aspects of Alexander as well because he slowly and methodically laid out his years of groundwork mm. against Bristow <laughs> for this with disturbing methods.
0: Yeah, I really loved how it didn't shy away from... I mean, Alexander clearly saw no problem with things that he had done to to collect, you know, Bristow's seed, etc. <laughs> But Jeez. for us as the audience, it really just is another beat in this tapestry of practitioners are the fucking worst. Well, in defense of practitioners, even wise, just kind of like he's
2: asking, he's asking Alex to stop talking about it. Yeah. yeah.
5: yeah.
2: What was it? There's also that mention about how like they they had to say that like they didn't have uh, that Alex didn't get Nicolette to collect it, and
5: mm, like, yeah. Oh my why god. Why do you even need to say
1: that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez.
5: Like the they fact really need to
1: specify. <sighs> doesn't isn't a good word. It also builds on how he's mentioned previously. He has dirt on every single one of his apprentices. He managed yeah. to force war as Seth that way. This is a guy that takes every relationship with how can I backstab them brutally later. Where,
2: now where have we seen that before in the <laughs>
5: students? Hmm. <laughs>
4: I, yeah I, well I think that's that's like the the key difference though, cause, like' you can look at the Kenneteers, and they're kind of having to do the same thing to all of the others of Kennet. yeah um, like They've had extra material about them wanting or how they can bind or or trap each one, and the difference is they feel shitty about it, hmm. they're like this is this is something we need to do, whereas Alexander was just sort of like, yeah, this is. Good safety insurance, you know? Well, uh,
5: I wonder if
0: Alexander felt shitty about it when he was first collecting his, you know, information and pieces and stuff, but after he's been doing it long enough, he's kind of Mm. justified it to himself. It's
2: just who he is now, I guess. Mm. Standard operating procedure. And to further, like, differentiate the two, like, the girls, they're, like, they're going to, like, the judges to, like, get, like, a warrant for this. It's not like, oh, you know, maybe John's looking at me weirdly. I'm going to look up how to bind dogs of war. They're, like, getting, like, warrants and stuff and, like, having to provide, like, oh, you know, we're in charge of this investigation. We need, like, just in case if he's the perp, right? Like, they're they're an Mm. investigative body.
0: Yeah, I guess they're not. They're not playing judge during executioner to the same extent that Alexander likes to.
3: Yeah. And ultimately, among themselves, they have that phenomenal man of trust that they have their allies who they know they can fall back on, who they know that they can uh, extend that trust to. Whereas Alexander really has nobody, right? He's, you know, even his close inner circle that he had built up around himself, you know, brought them in to work at his school. Uh, he ends up deciding, no, I've got to destroy them as well.
1: If you don't mind a bit of foil hatting, there was also an, we never do. <laughs> another small aspect of that com- comic that only really comes to light later.
2: Yes, please.
1: We directly mentioned that he is to inherit the Bellinger Circle.
5: Hmm.
4: Hmm. I. Yeah. I wonder if he will. Um, I guess. Like, well. Oh, what's sorry. I wonder if he Cause, yeah, because Alexander's death's gonna be a secret for a little bit is the impression yes. Yes. we get at the end of seven dot X.
2: What's there left to inherit? That yeah. Yeah, I was about to say that, yeah, exactly. Like all the apprentices, like more or less left. It's just why, and like he's gonna be busy with all the you know, work he's already doing. So like what's the difference here?
4: Well, he seemed like a better person than Alex. Yes. So that that's something. Like he you know, he maybe hasn't... he's not a great person, but like next to Alex he was the one being like, Can we not? just like a little bit in that art borrowed <laughs> eyes comic. So yeah. Tim, I have a little bit of hope for the, he was, the circle.
2: I thought he'd be like Alex, but like he, I, you know maybe, maybe it's the comparison kind of thing, but like he seemed like at least somewhat reasonable, right? Hmm. You know, he's just, he's just trying to work.
3: Possibly he'd already seen Alexander's downfall. I was, you know, getting ready mm. to. Mm. Uh,
1: mm. we're really tinfoil having mm.
3: a party to yeah. it. Right? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Secretly is handshaking with John, giving him the tip off of where he'll be.
2: Honestly, he'd benefit, right? Like, you know, he's head of the family, he gets the business, he doesn't have someone looking over his shoulder. Like, I can I can see it.
1: Oh god, it's the classic Sith maneuver. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, none of his um, other apprentices were gonna do it. Someone had to. Yeah.
4: I think didn't Y this is going way back to like two Z. Doesn't Y have a girlfriend? Which that he was like, Skyping isn't,
0: with, isn't that right? Yeah, is that which isn't else? like a huge
4: thing because plenty of terrible people can have girlfriends. So I'm just comparing him to Alex, <laughs> Mr. like, you know, solo flyer who can't mm. like, make friends with people enough to get a girlfriend. Again, just yeah. that little shred of hope that Wyatt maybe actually has a healthy relationship. Ha- and
0: Having said that, Elliot, you know, we've seen Kevin and his girlfriend. No, exactly. So I wouldn't <laughs> <Yeah. yeah,
5: laughs> too much stuck in that. That's, That's, yeah, that no, it's not comparison. a silver
4: bullet, but, you know, <laughs> maybe.
2: Mm. I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Someone has to. Alex sure can't. <laughs> Speaking of Kevin and Ray,
3: I feel like these four aware these you know Bristow's tenants that he brought are not as fun as the last lot we got. Mm, very like I wonder they're, why they're very entertaining to read. Uh, you know, and they're they're delightful antagonists, but they're just they're just not very nice people, I
2: suppose.
5: <laughs>
2: Bristow really sent like the non-combative ones to Kenneth and they just like. They already took down half the wards around the uh, the town. And then, like, these ones.
3: Yeah. It's beelining their way to the, you know, softest parts they can
2: stab. These are the aware varsity line.
1: The big guns. Yeah.
4: Now, to be fair, Sharon was a member of the ones who went to camp. True. So if you sort Ooh, of yeah. thinking about the average amount of niceness. <laughs> okay, it might, that kind might, of undo you know, balance the scales,
3: yeah. <laughs> I had just erased her from my memory, but.
0: Like, you know,
4: Shelley, you know, kills people or whatever,
1: but, like, Sharon. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Sharon. (laughs) Sharon is the one. She doesn't
2: spread misinformation online for money.
1: (laughs) Sharon reappeared as well. Kevin called her.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: That that was was very cool.
2: That was a very neat trick. I didn't think... Kevin actually does have, like, some of that, like, human resources kind of talent that Bristow does. Yeah. Just pointing the phone at
3: the door and, like, using that. That was, yeah, very, very cool. Just well, neutralizes his domain.
4: Kevin, Kevin feels like he would be the antagonist of, um, like, if you were going to do a series about what happens at Sergeant Hall now that Bristow's gone, Kevin feels like he could be the antagonist of that, someone who's trying to take over and replace yeah, Bristow. Do you guys no.
0: think he will? I mean, he kind of saw himself as Bristow's apprentice, so it's probably he no better did. time for him to... Try and step up oh with them now. God.
2: I I want this to happen though. I really <laughs> need it.
3: I feel like the uh the prophecy around Ray is really interesting there as well in terms of
5: mm. uh, Yeah, you know, it's the...
2: setting up so much for the quote unquote spin-off.
5: Yeah.
4: That's a good point. Actually, Ray, just just hurry up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, get to it, right? <laughs> well not
4: too
2: fast. We're not gonna get the sequel that way.
4: <laughs> mm,
2: true,
3: true.
1: It does beg the question though. Who is to continue the Bristow line? Because he has a niece, he has Kevin, he has all sorts of people around him. Mm. Mm. I don't hits. think
2: it's going to be Ted.
3: No, 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 Ted is very <laughs> much out of that
2: game. Because Ted's out of the picture, and Ray and Kevin are off somewhere. So they're still in place, probably. But it's, you know, until it's a third party, it's between those two.
0: Or do you think it'll be something like Clem kind of... Setting up a, 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 I don't know the, the right word for it, like a, a council of tenants that manages the, the building <gasps> oh, operations. Some sort of
3: homeowners association or? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some sort of homeowners that's what it's association. Called. <laughs> Oh, yeah.
0: no.
1: The worst type of council.
0: The worst type of <laughs> council. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wonder. I mean, I could see Kevin having, trying to make a claim over the apartment building. Um, but I don't want that, because obviously that would suck for everybody <laughs> involved. Yeah.
1: I see Kevin falling off the apartment building.
0: Mm. <laughs> or being pushed.
1: Mm. Very like, very possible.
2: Very possible. <laughs>
1: um, so what else do we want to reflect on
0: from this arc?
1: I actually liked Shelley near the end. Yeah. just... Her characters got very interesting in the downtime.
5: Mm.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I, you know, huge fan of the fairy just in general. Uh, Of course. The, uh, the I think she was the one where we saw clearest the difference between her under Bristow's influence, and then uh, after Bristow was taken out of the picture how she, not like mellowed out completely exactly, but she uh, yeah, she had a sort of turnaround where she was like, I've been, you know, gunning in this particular direction for so long that's really not what I want or what I, you know, like, that's not my my deal, um, because Bristow's been, you know, dragging me along. Mm.
4: Yeah, I think she was so interesting, because we saw that one snippet uh, of her memories when she jumped uh, into the I room. I loved it
3: so much. The, <gasps> oh, that was the, so brutal to see. The, the first person glimpse into, you know, the Court of Brightfall, uh, the trading and wicks and size and it was, I loved, I loved all of it, uh, and then they took this, you know, beautiful, you know, Christmas ornament of a memory and then smashed it with the the tragedy of, you know, her running into a brother.
4: <sighs> yeah. Well it was like, and that was back because we always knew that she was like a regular human who had been twisted into what she was today. And to sort of get the reminder halfway through fighting her of like this is what she was like mm. when she was a person. Yeah. She used to give um, a shit about stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like she like I, I definitely got the vibe that the the that guy who ran the shop the trader at some point um mm. just cuz she just doesn't trust anyone anymore yeah. um I I don't know but like yeah it was just it was kind of heartbreaking and as as much as it was like fascinating to see the the fairy courts like in person
3: the uh the way they say goodbye to one another uh he I, I just looked it up uh preparing for the episode but where he says be well Shelley. be sane be safe be whole and she replies you too try uh and just neither of them succeed uh you know by the time we see them <laughs> oh, they're oh, so far from safe sane or whole
2: um you know either individually or as a pair
3: uh
2: it's just yeah i love like the ruins is like a narrative device because it's not just like oh it's the audience gets to see it but like the uh, the trio gets to see it too, and like, you yeah. know, Avery's feeling sorry mm. about it, and like, you know, Shelly doesn't want the pity, but it, it's a sad
5: story. Mm-hmm. Mm. Pocket also, tragic cause, backstory.
4: Because I get the impression, and I'd have to go back and like double check this, but the first time they went in, I got the impression Jessica was saying that you are, are giving these memories to the ruins a bit, like you maybe still have it, but it would like drain some of your emotional connection to it. Like, that's that's what you're paying. So it's like, there's this extra layer of tragedy whenever someone's viewing one of these important memories where they're sort of giving up a bit of, like, you know, that that's Shelley giving up that attachment mm. to a memory of, of her, you know, connecting with Daniel and, and the shopkeeper guy.
2: It gets a little bit less important.
4: Yeah. Because like, I think we see it's the same chapter, I think, where Verona does it, and it's like a memory of her when she finds out her parents are getting divorced. And I was just like, oh, God, I could go either way on whether it's a good or a bad thing you're giving up, because that seems like a real painful memory, but also maybe the important kind of pain.
2: Yeah, like, you know, it it helps you because Verona wouldn't be the person she is without like that experience, right? So maybe this is like the kind of like experience you don't want to give up because it's integral to your character or it's what helped you become the person you are now. Yeah, Mm. I I feel there's a there's a sense that
3: part of that losing direct connection to it is that you sort of have to face up to it again, that you re encounter it, you relive it, uh, and you'll reprocess it in a new context. Um, I think there was a when they were traveling through the ruins the first time, there was a sense where they gave up that echo and then chased it down and found it at the other end, right? That it was the thing that was dragging them forwards. So I wonder whether the sort of intended uh, path, if you're going through the ruins, is to Find one of these memories, recontextualize it, face it again in a new space where you're not losing it as in you had it and it's gone, but the emotional moment it had for you, you you put into a new context and it doesn't have that sting that it had before, or it doesn't have that shine that it had before. Um But when you're going into the ruins without a plan of going anywhere else, when it's just I'm punching my way through, and you don't chase that echo down again, I wonder whether there's yeah, that's where you go, I've had to bring this up again in a new context. I haven't had a chance to you know, really deal with it. I'm, you know, straight back into fighting off brownies and, you know, bright eyed and all sorts of things. And yeah, that's a situation where you don't have a chance to go back over that and you just sort of, yeah, lose your grip on it a bit.
2: I I like that context. It makes the ruin trips a lot less, oh, every time you go, you lose a little bit, uh, a piece of yourself. I like that one <clears throat> a lot more because it implies some sort of like character growth from like these flashback episodes.
4: And I suppose that's what The Ruins is, right? Like, I'm thinking way back to, again, Arc 2. The the Ruins was, like, listed as, like, where emotions go to get recycled?
1: Mm. Yeah. I thought it was where emotions go to
0: die.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, little column A, little column B.
0: (laughs) So what else do we want to reflect on from this arc?
1: There was the Oni conversation. Mm,
5: which we've been waiting for
1: for a while (sighs)
3: yes i had forgotten that was part of this arc it's so long ago but but absolutely it was
0: yes
1: it was also
0: yeah i mean it's been it had been built up for a while and we got this conversation but that doesn't feel like the resolution of this Oni element right which i had assumed was kind of going to be part of the bhi resolution but it wasn't really um no. So does that imply that Pony is going to have something to do with the end of the, you know, the Carmilla's murder stuff or whatever we whatever we come into next?
1: I think it's meant to just be a distant mirror, like mm. this is kind of this is very similar, but this is also a historical event that's still very messy and was very messy and there's no right. real resolution to it.
5: Mm.
4: Yeah, I, I i mean there are similarities between uh th- what's happening with like Kenneth and, and mrs plan and the only so maybe there'll be like more comparisons to draw as that does or doesn't go well um but yeah it i i, f- I feel like it'll come in again just for like another comparison but it, it was just so good to see it like i it, we kept getting the bait and switch with the Oni stuff it was like just when somebody was about to tell us something would come up, and I was I was about to lose my mind. I was so proud of Verona for throwing the same tantrum I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely.
3: <laughs> I think uh, th- uh, I think those of us who've been uh sort of playing Pact Dice for a little while uh, you know, Oni has been sitting in that table of schools that are you know uh, a practitioner can be part of, and we've had little snippets dropped here and there. Uh, and this is, you know, the first time we've really got the the meat and potatoes of what actually went down there, um, and that was, yeah, very very satisfying to get after a long wait.
2: Because it's like the, you know, the reasons and cause of Yoni War. It's like it's all about practitioner and other relationships, and like that's like the core theme of Pale. I'd be, I'm hoping we at least like see more like of this like theme like run through the future arcs. Cause I think it has like at least more parallels to give
0: for the crew. Yeah. Like, I think there's probably going to be some more conversations where at least they touch on the idea of what other systems are there or have there been or have people experimented with. With Bristow being one example, obviously, but Mm -hmm. I think the only will have to come up as another one.
3: Yeah, I think I think for me it stands out as you know directly leading on from the you know stuff we got from Miss last arc about um, or or the arc before I can't remember, but the the stuff about the way that the balance between practitioners and others is. Uh, very much in flux. That it was meant to be one way, apparently, as Solomon laid it out. But it's you know not exactly landing on that. And the only come up is a situation where others tried to assert some degree of self determination and freedom. Uh, and the practitioners were very practitioner about it. They sort of trod on them. They you know decided that uh, that was unacceptable behavior. And then from then they they were seen as the heroes. You know the the discussion from Cor- Corbin, the the kid who. You know, and there was some very heated discussion at the time in the the discords and such, but uh, where some of what he was saying was relatively reasonable, you know, war isn't great, uh, but to then go, so the practitioners were right in everything they did, and the others were totally wrong, uh, mm. was not ideal. And I think that it's sort of set up for this arc in general, where you see how do practitioners run things when they get to be practitioners at one another, um, that, you know, Bristow and Alexander are both these figures who are very well established in the practitioner community they're well respected worldwide uh and we see how they operate right they stab each other they you know do do insidious little things to gain claims over one another they uh and they totally trample over everything in between them and their goals right uh i feel like Mm -hmm. if the entire story is setting up as miss thinks it might be uh what does this potential new dynamic look like right what's what's a way that we can go forward uh this chapter just seeing how Bristow and Alexander go about things and what the results of that are was a good sign to No practitioners being in control is not a good solution. Uh, that's not a, a way that we get
2: out of this cleanly. I think I'd have been a bit more amenable to that, to his resolution. If like, first of all, some of like the actual requirements were kind of still a little bit insane. And then maybe if we had like, Oh, like a, a co council of like practitioners and others, you know, maybe I'll, I'll start coming around, but the whole deal was kind of, I don't know. Yeah, and and I think they hit the nail on the head
3: when they asked. So it, does he believe in this enough to maybe not be <laughs> personally in charge of all of it? Yeah. And Nicolette was like, mm, mm. well... Uh... Yeah, it's Bristow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, regardless of how good a system is, if one person is demanding to be at the seat <laughs> of absolute power within it, I think inherently it's not going to work.
4: Especially Bristow is someone who, didn't have any succession plans like yeah. for himself, and I think some people brought this up and we sort of ran it as a discussion question. It was like he didn't ha- he doesn't have a succession plan for just himself, and now he, he wants to be, you know, like Grand Master of the region, <laughs> and he like there was no talk of yeah who who could replace him like e- even if we're gonna entertain the idea that he's the tyrant we need today yeah um there's no talk of who's next. And I think that segues nicely into
3: Ted's take on the whole thing, because Ted's been this figure who, you know, again, much controversy about him, uh, sort of in the lead up to this and, and during it about, you know, is he genuinely like a good hero guy? Is he, you know, totally being led around with the nose by Bristow? Uh, and, and this chapter, he sort of, you know, meanders around that where you, you know, he, he gives that speech about, well, yes, Bristow is a tyrant. And yes, he's not currently a hero, but maybe his actions are good enough that we could get him the right motivations at some point down the road. Um, it's just such a such a fascinating take on things from an individual who, you know, has that experience of greater powers trading on him to get him to do what he wants. Uh, and he so easily folds under that when, when Bristow's calling the shots for him. I, I just, yeah, I think Ted, Ted's a fascinating character.
1: I think Ted's just old. He's old. <laughs> he's done a bunch of crap. He hasn't died yet, and he's just dealing. (laughs) It's fascinating to see.
4: I I think he started to make sense to me right at the end of the arc, when he Mm. loses, like, freedom is so much... uh, He says, yeah, it's something like... It's I I don't
3: like freedom, Ted answers. So much bigger than the life
4: I used to live.
5: Mm. Yes.
4: And it's sort of like, that's why you can see, like, he was desperate, I think, to have someone like Bristow in charge. Because he'd lived, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of years with this sort of singular purpose. And the idea of not having that, not having like, oh, this mission we need to work towards for someone was just terrifying to him. So, you know, with a bit of help from Bristow, once he was under his wing, he sort of convinced himself that this is what they needed. And he he does have just like a a bit of an idealistic core,
3: right? Because when Alexander offers him, hey, I'm going to threaten you into undoing yourself uh, and or swearing yourself to me. Um, and, you know, or I'm going to spring this trap on you or some other poor unsuspecting person. Uh, he has the, you know, the moral fiber left to go, you know what, I'm not going to help you. Like, you know, even if that's the risk for me or for someone else, I'm not going to, you know, take that, you know, evil practitioner bait. Um, and he, I think he genuinely does believe in the future that Bristow's selling, right? Even if he doesn't believe that the current is the guy to do the job, um, you know I think he genuinely does hope for a world where people can be protected from the biggest threats um, it's just that yeah he's been so ground down into taking that ideal and then finding somebody he'll tell him Oh yes this is what I'm working towards now do X, Y, and Z that looks ex- entirely
2: opposite of that uh, and, he'll, and he'll buy it because at least we get the idea that like the threat is like somewhat credible right because like Nicolette was like talking about like how all these systems are like so old they're like based off like word of mouth and not like there's no like real accountability of like who's doing what and who's who's trying to protect what areas right so like I can see like the reasoning for it, but like I'm not sure if Bris does the person to do it. I feel like that's like <laughs> Ted's like you know he, he at least someone will be in charge. I think
3: yeah. that's his mindset,
4: yeah, yeah, I agree and
3: and for him to say, I'm sure he's got a hero inside him. Uh, <laughs> When, when you know, Ted himself has gone through this experience of, it can take 600,000 lifetimes to get to that hero. Um, mm. uh, you know, sure, maybe it's buried in there somewhere, but that doesn't mean you're going to get it straight away. Uh, or within Not in this
2: lifetime. Exactly. I know, like, Ted's probably gone from the story, but I, I wish we I could see more of him.
5: <laughs> the idea yeah, of, like, too. an awakened
2: Ted was, even under an ex- Alexander, like, that's, that'd still be amazing to see.
0: I, I want him... Yeah. I... I... I want everyone's been so scared of Chet the entire time. Yeah. <laughs>
5: I want to see him <sighs> let loose, you know?
3: we got a, a little scuffle with Ulysses, uh, you know, in Kevin's interlude. That was where so he, whack. You know, where he was, like, monologuing as he almost but not quite actually dodged this fire gauntlet mace thing uh, mm. and, you know, was, was narrating to him, ah, yes, I've met you and defeated you multiple times. Before. Like, it's just, <laughs> yes. just delightful stuff. Um,
2: I've, in one timeline, I've met your god before you did. yeah. for other reasons, yeah. yeah. He was flexing hard. That was amazing. Because, like, what what other like characters in the story has he like within these timelines like met and like fought already?
1: I don't know. I kind mean, of yeah. I kind of want to see him get punched. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex Cause,
2: tries that
1: because yeah, he's like this. Is, he's not in his time loop anymore. Anything can happen.
4: <laughs> Anything can happen. I mean, there was that one time John kind of drew drew him to a draw by blowing them both up. That's <laughs> Lucy's chagrin.
2: Stop sacrificing yourself. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not sure how much I want to blame it on the good karma, but it does seem very coincidental that, like, right when, you know, Ted has to deal with Alex, and Alex is like, you know, he's going all out just as once. John comes in from nowhere, and, and I, you know, maybe a little bit karmic, maybe. I think that, because, like, the, Uh, his like generations of like good karma is like a big factor of like why Ted is so successful for everything he does and like everything like seems to go his way or at least mostly
4: yeah I mean that's what was kind of fascinating about Ted is like he was by design someone who had just an absolute buttload of power but was kind of yeah to his own design ill-equipped to use it Mm -hmm. like he could you know just say no and make the brownies go away, and that's obviously awesome. But like, yeah. he could do so much more, and he kind of avoided being able to do that.
5: Mm.
3: Yeah, that bit where he revealed, you know, I want to stay as far away from the practice as possible. I've already seen too much. Um, that he he wants to make as little of himself as possible for this man who's you know just like you know physically powerful, you know, comically, you know, a juggernaut. Uh, yeah, he's just the the desire to go. I I, I suppose it sort of ties back to some of the stuff Charles has been saying about, you know, hey, maybe this stuff isn't something you actually want to be going into. Maybe,
2: maybe, this might be a bit controversial to say, maybe the practice isn't the solution. What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe it.
1: That's a hard argument to make when someone's about to spill their blood and turn the world upside down. Mm. (laughs) I mean that jokingly, of course.
0: Of course. course. (laughs) So what else? Uh, what else stood out to everybody from this chapter?
3: So on a bit of a personal note, uh, as as we said at the start of the, start of the episode, the the three of us are some of the players from Myland, uh, and those the particular moment in this uh, in this arc that gave me the most Myland vibes uh, was when Verona, Lucy, and uh, America were tied up under this uh, music box with these dancing dolls. Uh, just to start with, just an awesome scene. Right? Um, yes, you know yes. this this item that's you know having this horrific effect over their lives. And Talia there just being like, "Oh yeah, my mum used this to like tell me not to watch too TV for too long, otherwise she'd, she'd subject me to this." My familia also hated it because <laughs> she danced. Uh, and then Antalia's in that going, "Oh yeah, but you know, my mum's not a bad mum. You know, she feeds me, she gives <laughs> me opportunities. Uh, oh, it's just that whenever this music comes on, I want to cry, and I, I don't really get it." Um, <laughs> that that combination of children in the shadow of their parents, uh, this magical item that's having this sort of vast effect on people, uh, and the unlikely ally of America Ted, just like being there and being awful, but also being what they needed. Uh, is very <laughs> very strong Mile End vibes uh, for I,
2: me. I agree with the Mile End vibes. I particularly that cause, like that season because, like that scene, because uh, it has we get to see like the you know the Bristow faction and like. Pretty much most of the Bristow characters in that scene, besides Estrella, I uh, really like Estrella, everyone else was just kind of like bumbling around like Estrella basically didn't arrest them the bus because they weren't doing their jobs
3: she she was carrying them pretty hard there that 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 also gave me real pactized vibes because that's another situation where you got uh these these characters who have all of these different uh practices crammed in the small room uh you know and tra-
2: yeah, yeah. They're, like, trying to, like, cover, like, all these, like, different avenues. Like, they're, like, oh, watch out for gates. Oh, you know, this Oni mate just threw knives. And now the shadows are, like, <laughs> stabbing henegar And, like, oh, there's uh, goblins running around a soccer field. Like, it. there's so many different, like, things to take care of. Like, so many different practices. We have, like, the one guy in the background. Like, oh, I have this cool, I have this cool, you know, thermos. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> give me, just give me a moment. <laughs> I bet the thermos have been really based, but. <laughs> he, just, he just never got a chance to use it and he didn't want to do anything else either. Yeah. I think this is like a good, like, well, not like a good, like analogy, but like, I think this might been like a sneak peek at like, you know, if this is the people like under Bristow's faction, like, is this like the kind of efficacy we would expect to see in Like his new, his new system? Like,
5: mm-hmm.
2: doesn't, it doesn't like impress me. Like, Oh, this is like the, the change that like the, the region needs.
4: It didn't feel like an increase in unity. It just felt like an increase in proximity.
5: Yeah. Mm.
3: Yeah. And yeah, like, because their loyalty to him just wasn't there, right? Uh, You know, when when the tables started to turn, they were like, yeah, okay, we fold. Because they didn't have stakes (laughs) there. Uh, You know, Bristow's built this, you know, network of practitioners that he's sort of bringing into his control, uh, but not actually connecting with them, right? He's not actually, like, Mm. inspiring people. He's not, you know, befriending anybody. He's just uh expecting them to follow behind him because he set them things up to fall down the right way. Um but when it comes down to it, the genuine friendships that the Kenneth Trio are able to establish with people like Clem, people like Nicolette, that's what pulls them through.
2: I love that like the power of friendship came in came into play and it wasn't amazingly cheesy. I really liked how like yeah. friendship was like the, the key to winning in like half of these fight scenes.
4: But it felt so deserved. Like it never felt oh, like dawny like heart of the cards bullshit from from like an anime or something it actually felt like they put in the work and they did better than everyone else with treating them like people and that was why they were were rewarded whereas yeah like estrella it was like the second thing started to turn she was like i'd rather get stabbed in the boob than actually die. um yeah
3: uh and, and A- Alexander's demise as just this perfect moment of I've literally just looked into the past, seen myself giving the advice to this room full of people about, hey, maybe we should stick together, we should look after one another, because when we're alone, uh, that's when we're at our weakness. <laughs> weakest. And we jump to the present, <laughs> he's sitting alone in his car in the dark, uh, he's literally plotting the downfall of two of the people in that room who he hasn't already plotted the downfall
2: of. Uh and, and yeah, that's 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 when and the that's terrible thing how happens he to him. Ends. Exactly. That's so good. It's a sad ending because, like, the founders were, you know, everyone's together. They're all hanging out. And then we just, like, that that, that scene contrast is is sad, like, 20 years from now.
1: They weren't great back then, either.
2: They weren't great back then. (laughs) At least they had each other. At least they had each other.
1: Yeah. Minus one. With Minus that woman one leaving
3: Louisa. Uh, <laughs> big props to her. She
4: she had the right of yeah. it. Just get out of I'm it. The
1: only good practitioner.
4: It, <laughs> it was so funny 'cause cause you start reading it and you're like, oh, why haven't we heard of Louisa? Is she better? It's like, oh, we haven't heard of her because she just fucking left these in. <laughs> yeah. Because
5: <laughs> she's smart.
2: <laughs> she Oh my gosh, she's like the most sensible of all of them. And she's like a yeah. big practitioner too. She went in as well. It's not like with like Charles, where like you know we expect him to be reasonable. He's not like too ahead. He's sitting outside, but like she went inside too. I want to see like what she's been doing in like the however many decades since
1: she's killed the Carmine Beast. <gasps>
3: <laughs> I think it is. What a um, twist! You know, either her husband or another crow who's set up as one of the potential headmasters for the BHI. So. If we're hoping for more stories in this path, I think she's either. She's,
2: yeah. So here's the issue. We were like, they were talking about like one of the teachers was like this scourge that like, you know, sends out boogeymen to like sh- keep them sharp. And we haven't seen the crows. So like that, that can't be the same <laughs> one, but like, it feels <laughs> like we've seen all the teachers already. So like, I don't, I don't mm. know what's going on. Who are the crows? Uh, what are they doing?
4: I think some, some of them are guest teachers who aren't on campus. So. Maybe the crows are just... One of the things the Weezer says in this flashback is, I like to stay out of trouble. So she's probably just kept her whole family away this summer.
5: Mm,
2: mm. Smart. This isn't, like, the full freshman class either, so I guess... That does fall, because, like, I'm assuming, like, other teachers would come in, like, during the fall for the main semester.
1: Mm. Also, in fairness, there's been a lot of characters in this arc. It's been a bit... (laughs) It's been a bit hectic to keep up with them all. Had to have that little for sure on the second tab.
4: Yep. Yeah, just for for like recurring usefulness. Yep. The student guide yes. is absolutely oh, yeah. the best yes. extra material like, MVP. for that access alone. I'm just like, wait, oh, it's so good.
2: That one, I almost don't want it to be extra material because like it's so. I don't <laughs> know how you would read this and like, not like, oh, I get to go back, I get to see their practices. Oh, they're in the same rooms. I guess
4: they're friends. You know how it's like—like um, like fantasy books always include like the map of the fantasy world at the start. Yeah. It, if Pale gets published, it just needs to have the student guide. Yeah, yes. In the first <laughs> few pages, um, and like for a the special... first <laughs> four
0: arcs, everyone can be like, "What the <laughs> <laughs>
5: hell are these people?
0: <laughs> Who are these? All these characters that I haven't like... met."
5: Oh, you right could just
4: start with a note it's like come, come back here and i come
5: back yeah. here and
0: <laughs> so now that the BHI stuff has more or less wrapped up I'm curious to see what everyone thinks the ramifications of this are going to be yeah. what, what's going to happen next
1: war oh. or something <laughs> bad it's I don't see it going well
0: I, so you I think things this are going to get worse as a result very
2: interesting
1: Things are tense, people are hurt.
2: Sounds very
3: calming to me, very calming. Mm, yeah, you gotta, you gotta wonder that possibly until this judge who's meant to preside over violence and, you know, uh, injustice and justice, whether, until they're restored, can there be mm. a real resolution to this fight?
1: Mm. And there really hasn't been a proper resolution for most people involved in it, besides one person they know of dying, and a hmm. second person secretly dying. There's still tension, there's still emotions, still anger.
2: i I thinking, I know what's been said, but I'm really supporting this theory that the Carmine Beast plotline isn't going to wait for them to finish school. I really hope that like they continue school here and the Carmine Beast plotline just kind of crashes into this. And hmm. that way we get to keep all the BHI stuff and finish up with the Carmine stuff. Because it doesn't feel like we're like you know we're not packing up and like getting ready to leave for kind it doesn't feel like that so far. It's it, certainly things haven't settled out there. I think to
3: some degree, if they do end up going back to Kennet, you'll get us. Th- th- there's a sense now that every practitioner in the local area has bigger things to worry about than what's going on in the sleepy little town. That you know the the individuals who had been poking their noses in uh, are now dead or gone. Uh, then and anyone else who might be interested in has you know other things to Sworn sure off. I think when it comes to the actual like deal of whodunit you know, the the mystery, if we if we come bring that back into the center of focus, I think external practitioners have just been diminished by this war to the point that I don't think they're necessarily in the running now.
4: Or is it the perfect time for some of them to rock up when they hear it's happening and try oh. to like, like, you know, take it? Like if you hear mm. somebody's donning the Carmine Furs and it's sort of like they're not established yet. You can come in and nick them.
2: If Derosha hears that there's untamed power nearby in a sleepy <laughs> little town, is she uh. gonna come knocking? I want to see more Derosha. Like right now, like like we have like a sort of arc of yeah. like Alex. We have a sort of arc with Ray. I'm waiting for Derosha arc, and you know it's kind of. I'm not <laughs> ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out.
4: Field trip to, um, was it the Netherlands? Yeah. And go visit her monster there, oh, yeah, just, literally. like, for a whole hour.
3: Just go hold your breath in a peat bog for three to four minutes, and then you'll be oh. dropped into the
4: pit <laughs> with the monster.
1: Oh, God, how is that even going to work out? <laughs> peat bog thing. I'm, a, I'm worried that's going to just go off randomly later.
4: I, I think Alexander had to text them the go-ahead Yeah. before they were going to do it, and I don't think he did when he was fucking around with ted so i do I think it's safe
3: i do love the idea that there's an intern out there somewhere just sitting around waiting for this text
2: <laughs> he's an unpaid intern too it makes it worse yeah <laughs> someone in debt to the
3: you know paris oh, practicing like, council or whatever
2: I love that, like the roche described it as beautiful it's like this like mm. 45 ton like you know constantly changing plant beast monster it's
3: like yeah, yeah. Based off of carrion eaters, right? It's the it's the scavenger one. Um
2: but you know, pretty. <laughs> and it's like when I think of like carrion eaters, I think of like like a like a vulture, right? Like that's yeah. a... I, mm. I don't you know, they're they're really cool birds. I don't know if they're pretty. I don't know <laughs> if they're beautiful.
4: I thought what was funny about that is like Ray was like, Oh, that's probably like the goddess in it when she said it was beautiful. Yes. I was like, no. Eh, this is Dura like <laughs> it could just be the creepy monster yeah. part.
3: It's smooth like a maggot.
5: Hey. <laughs> 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 I, uh.
2: I love Dorishe. The more I like find out, I'm like, I need I need the character art. Cause we don't really get like a good look at like inside her her head, right? Like like we don't even like get like an actual like oh is like besides like her being quote unquote neutral, like she's just there
1: she's pretty scary though i don't think anyone wants to look inside her head
3: <laughs> I, I just want to know how does someone get to that point right you know even even as a younger woman she's a sort of prowling tiger of a person how do you how do you like be born as a human being and then become that uh, you know the person who will eventually be the sort of coiled up you know vengeful almost feeling uh that you know the the yeah, very, very like the prime evils that she deals with in terms of her, you know, unstoppable menace. Um, yeah, how do you how do you but, get there?
0: I mean, we don't know much about her history, right? I, she, she seems to me to be the extension of what happens when there's a practitioner who's been a practitioner for literally their entire life, awoken in a practitioner family since she was like six or whatever, and mm. has just had so much time to slowly. Getting more and more fucked up. I mean and she's considering she seems to be remarkably (laughs) well doing well. well, Right. Well adjusted.
5: Yeah. Out of
3: all three. But yeah, possibly her grandparents were, you know, ordinary decent human beings and then they've had three generations to become Durusher.
1: It's also likely that for every one Durisher out there there's like fifty dead bodies of wannabe Durishers.
3: Mm, True, Mm. true. Just survivorship bias
2: survivorship bias very heavily and i flick a lot was like you know 50 dead wannabes i feel like a lot of them are gonna start out like i'm gonna bring up like the the parallel to the three founders to the trio again i feel like a young derishe or at least like how she started would have been a lot like verona with like how like their intensity of the practice yeah she
3: doesn't strike me as someone who you know dabbled first and then like like, you know, she, she, she didn't, she didn't take the baby steps. She dove in headfirst, the, yeah. the, the, you know, the,
5: yeah.
3: you know, the, the, what was meant to be a scouting mission. Yeah. We just decided to go in and face the primeval, you know, cause we got bored. Like.
4: Reminds me a bit of like what Verona actually could have been like without her friends tampering her. Exactly. Wants to dive away from humanity. Like I could totally see Verona just diving headfirst into some primeval den. Yeah. And. Relying on her quick wit to survive and and sort of getting reputation out of that.
1: There's also a key difference in that Verona kind of focuses on herself and changing herself.
5: Mm. I get the feeling
1: Durashe is more about there's a monster, I want to see what its guts look like.
5: Mm. Mm. (laughs) Oh,
2: we like kind of like see it here, like some of her like mindset in like the binding chapter, right? And like a lot of it's like, oh, we need to uh, dominate these others and nail their feet to the floor. And that was. I wasn't expecting that.
4: That was kind of wild. I, the other side of that was she also talked about how like being stuck in a conversation is a type of binding. Yeah. She viewed humanity or human society as a bit of a binding, and she was like, "Cause I think I I always find her and Ray fascinating because they're kind of both out of the main conflict for different reasons. Like Ray sticks his head in computers and is like, you know." trying to remain neutral for it to maintain his business or whatever, whereas Duroche is just kind of disconnected from that part of humanity. She stays involved with the school, I think, to keep her humanity kindling, but mostly she's just kind of, like, happy to leave humanity bullshit behind, and that includes civil wars or whatnot.
3: Yeah, I, I, I get the idea that possibly if Verona, instead of going I want to get out of here, went, I need to bend Brett to my will, that's how <laughs> Dorosha could have come to, into being.
5: <laughs> God,
3: yes. <laughs>
4: Wowza. The scariest primeval. Yeah.
2: I'm really invested in, like, seeing, like, what what Verona turns out to be, because, like, Hmm. it's been, you know, seven arcs, we... I'm not sure if we have a straw... Do you have any theories at the moment? Any predictions? Do you want to make now? Because... Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's been the, the
3: hot topic of conversation again, the, the packed ice people have sort of a list of schools that we draw on and it's not, ex- you know, conclusive, but you know, from the start, we've been like, okay, where's, where's Avery going? Where's, where's Lucy going? And we found that, you know, Luke, uh, Avery's becoming a finder and we were like, yes, okay, that one's ticked off. But, uh, Verona has been the biggest floating mystery. Uh, my most recent theory in discussing this is that just based on who Verona is, uh, she's not going to accept a practice that. Somebody teaches her. Instead, she's going to collect a bunch of information, throw herself into a problem that's maybe too big for her to solve, Ooh. and then create something new for herself. Um, I think back to her very first practice, being throwing her hat uh, and doing the, um, the the boomerang thing. Um, you know, and everyone being that "That's they did teach us how to do that." And she's like, "Yeah, but I made it work." But um,
2: well, it makes sense, doesn't it?
3: Exactly uh I think about how she hates the idea of becoming her her father or becoming her mother or becoming like bristow or alexander i, I my instinct is that she's going to see a bunch of, bunch of paths available for her and reject them all and choose her own path um uh, same with like her her hair and her clothing and stuff right it's got to be something that's
2: uniquely her I am a fan of this theory i
4: i my my own personal theory isn't super different um i I've just been kind of working on the assumption at this point. Maybe she just won't specialise. Like maybe the concept that you mm. have to specialise and belong to a particular branch of the practice is just something that she won't have to abide by. Because mm. it's it's very much like a traditional idea and that, you know, the Kenneteers are all about getting rid of that shit. So maybe maybe she just won't and not, you know, just be a dabbler or, or whatever they've called her, but just
3: the advanced version. Thing. Yeah. The yeah.
5: advanced
2: version.
3: I, I like that as well, just given the the emphasis on the story of rejecting labels, whether it's, you know, Miss, who's, you know, avoiding them like the plague, or, you know, the goblins who are doing goblin nonsense, but like specifically Gashward, who's like, no, I don't want to be this one thing that you'll keep telling me, I, I'm going to do this thing, even if I'm worse at it. Um, and then, yeah, all of the others yeah. who are not quite what the practitioners make them out to be. Uh, Alpi in particular, right, who they think, oh, is she, is she a night hag is maybe the closest thing we've got, but that definitely doesn't fit. Um, yeah, I think the idea of her going... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let the universe paint me into one corner. Uh, I like a lot.
1: Hmm. I have a particularly boring theory about it. Um, I figure that this this whole series seems to be taking place in a relatively short window of time, and the practice of others seems to be something developed over one's lifetime, over the path one takes through the years. I don't know if we'll see. Even Mm. all of them develop towards a specific practice in the time the story has. And that's okay.
2: Yeah, That's okay. But do you know why it's okay? It's going to be okay because we're going to get, perhaps, we're going to see them in the background of some sort of apartment building (laughs) spinoff where, you know, Clem's trying to take out Kevin and perhaps she sees, oh... Oh, someone who deals with primevals, and they're a young woman, and they're, oh, <laughs> perhaps, you know, Ray needs a a convenient place to hide the body.
3: <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> her, her old friend Verona. Or, you know, this stranger in a cat mask is just sort
2: of lurking in the corner yes. of the frame. Yeah. God, I, just another reason why it'd be really nice to have that, you know, apartment spinoff.
1: And... <laughs> Sad. Sad you've jinxed it. We're never getting that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh,
2: I'm not gonna lie.
1: I'm still
4: secretly hoping uh my theory that we're all leading up to some Avengers style yeah. otherverse yeah. crossover. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. the, characters Pal- 100%. the characters from Pale, the God,
0: characters yes. from Coat.
3: I really want that now. You know, and, and <laughs> Bristow foreshadowed
2: that big things are coming, so. Yeah. I will say that. I think someone already mentioned it, but like it is a cop out because like, you know, it's like those like you no know, vague prophecies where like, oh, you know, something bad happened. Oh, I, I talked <laughs> about it with my vague, like my horoscope, right? Like yeah. if anything <laughs> bad happens, then like From you know, here on out, yeah. From here on out, then be like, Oh, of course, Bristol foretold.
4: Pr- pr- His dying words. <laughs> you know, Bristow, like, I suppose what you could do if you're Bristow is pay some dude on the street. To call themselves an auger and then get them to say <laughs> what you want and then you can go back and be like well my auger says <laughs> oh my <laughs> know what, it's basically what the others did with with the kenneteers right like the kenneteers were awoken oh yes like, our oh, practitioners yeah, we, yeah. Someone's our you practitioners definitely doing are on that.
0: the case <laughs> you random stranger can you legally change your name to bristow's auger please <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: i'll give you cheap rent well, you could, if you find someone else called Alexander Belanger, get them to say bad things about other people. And say, Alexander Belanger said this about you.
0: Oh I wonder if that would work. <laughs> <laughs> Getting someone to legally change the name to Alexander Belanger and then just start shit talking everything it, so you can say it. It's cheap rent. They had to do it.
2: Yeah, I cannot deny I'd the power. Cheap rent. I would change my name for cheap rent.
0: <laughs> to Alexander Bellinger. <laughs> yeah,
4: totally, I mean, I feel like comically what would end up happening is you're going to get some of the fallout as well. Like, it's you know,
0: you, oh. could, you
4: could talk all this shit, but then somebody's going to be like, right, I'm going to find this Alexander Bellinger and beat the shit out of him, and I'll find
1: your address first. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you're just asking to get all of his enemies.
4: Yeah, 100%.
2: Exactly. Oh, kind of like how, like, you know, Kevin can ruin someone's day, but it never makes his better.
5: Mm.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: Now that, like, we were, like, talking about, like, um, you know, what's gonna happen if, like, the girls and, like, Trio, like, what are our thoughts for, like, after this arc? Not sure if we mentioned this yet. Hmm. Like, where the story goes from here and,
4: like...
1: Bad places. then good places. (laughs) But first, bad places.
4: I I have to admit, I've read 8.1 and 8.2 already, so I have a bit of an idea, but... um, I have as well. We've got to go back to Canet eventually. Yeah. Bad places. What?
2: What? <laughs> what plot lines in Kenneth do we still have to take care of?
1: Brett surgery.
2: Brett oh. surgery. Don't
4: Avery, Avery like, coming Avery. Out to her parents. Yep. Um, There's some Carmine based stuff going on.
3: Carmine stuff. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah.
1: We'll get to see more Tashlit.
3: That's. So, oh gross. yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, we're going back. <laughs> we're going back. <laughs> and Sig. So we haven't actually Sig. seen like Sig in a okay. We well, might need to go back. I guess I've been convinced. <laughs>
4: Sig interlude one. <when>. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he has this alien intelligence. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be surprised by just how you know. I've seen Bo's you know fiction. He can do it. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'll I'll be excited for it.
1: Tash looks fun.
2: Yeah, very much. I think we got to
3: see we got to see her come into her own here with uh you know doing the the water protection stuff. Um, yes. The, oh, the moment where she couldn't heal Layla—that um, was that was tragic. Uh, but uh, she's just she's just great to have around because she's you know doesn't have a lot of dialogue. By which we mean she jiggles her eyes mm-hmm. occasionally. Um, but <laughs> she just has so much personality that she brings to every scene she's in.
2: Not to mention, it's really nice to see like Vrona like really vibe with someone, and it's not like the half-ass kind of like oh Alby, she's she's nightmares in in darkness. But, like, she genuinely, like, gets this person in a way that, like, a lot of the, the other trio doesn't really understand. Hmm. Or, like, even, like, most others. Because, like, be sure didn't understand Tashla. And, like, she was, like, seeing her dreams. Yeah. Hmm. I think something about the sort of
3: sleek, dark inner self uh, with this sort of baggy skin draped over it uh, resonates with her. That, <laughs> you know, living a life that has been sort of forced on you
2: considering like verona's like sight it really like matches cuz like she clearly has a has a very unique aesthetic that she doesn't realize is whack at all. <laughs>
4: yeah. I think that's what verona's superpower really is is just that way she doesn't judge books by their covers. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. will kind of let you behave poorly before she judges you so she can like yeah. meet someone like Tashlit and everyone else is giving Tashlit like a 10 foot wide like burr and verona just goes up and borrows her shirt and is like waiting for her to do something wrong before she judges her and it's just so awesome she looks you know underneath the skin right exactly and the eyeballs exactly
3: that you know the site gave her these you know meaty flappy things to talk to as her site um you know the first thing was actually hey here's some people that you could connect to um you know lucy and avery aren't you know speaking to their swords or you know camera ribbons or whatever um you know it's the Someone to reach out to, and admittedly, not human someones, but uh yeah, I think Verona is shockingly empathetic for, for someone who uh is so in her own sense, you know, emotionally deadened and wanting to disconnect from humanity.
1: I, I don't know. I think she does kinda of judge books by their cover. She's just really into the Necronomicon. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just ah. her vibe.
2: And to, like, add a Necronomicon bits, like, we don't... So Tashlet, when Brona was asking, like, oh, you know, you don't eat babies, do you? Like, Tashlet gave, <laughs> like, a really not confident feeling, like, eh. And, like, we do have to go to Kenneth just to see, like, what exactly sort of baby-eating she does. Because I don't... Cause like they're like powered by a god, so like, I don't know like why you would need to like you know power yourself in this way like a lot of the others we see, right? Like you don't need to eat any children. Like you have a god powering you, so I'm not sure what exactly is happening with Tashlet.
4: She's just chilling in the river, you know, She's in the river. outside the fairy, the fairy cave. Maybe Having it's a good
1: time. Maybe it's fish babies.
5: Hmm.
3: Hey, you oh, eat caviar yeah, don't you? Yeah.
2: Have you ever eaten like, lamb? You. you baby eater. <laughs>
1: Hopefully. All That's a good point.
2: You know, I'll take I'll take that. Lamb is like a like a religious sort of meal, kind of. Maybe yeah, maybe it's that kind of baby eating.
1: Um That does lead us to another point though, because we saw Verona and Tashlet develop their relationship. We saw the usual Avery and Snowdrop developing their relationship. And to round <sighs> out the trio, we saw Lucy and John develop their relationship.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I really liked the like Alexander's curse. Like we didn't have to like you know wait, yeah, long at all. It it came in calling like almost immediately, and like it was even punctuated like oh, right at the moment where Lucy decides not to take him as a familiar, she smells like acid in an ink. I wonder yeah. why.
4: I will propose a mm. question though, which is: Is it a bad thing that Lucy will not be taking John as her familiar anymore?
2: Hmm, I this might be a bit controversial, but, like, Lucy has said she's not, like, not necessarily, you know, she doesn't, like, like fighting, right? So it does mm. seem a little bit, like, out of place to be like, oh, I don't like fighting, but I'm going to take this animus whose existence was based off of, like, you know, fighting in wars. So, like, it did seem like kind of a mismatch of like, you know, in terms of, like, what she wanted and, like, what John had to, like, provide. See, I, I
3: always saw him as someone who's born into war, right, into a conflict that he didn't uh-huh. choose, that he didn't, you know, have a have a say in ultimately, and who chose to leave, right. He, he's not still hanging around the Middle East, uh, right, you know, killing other soldiers. He, he found Kennet as this place where he could try to escape that um, and use what he learned in that to uh, help the community that he's in. Admittedly, by you know shooting ghouls and boogeymen and things, but uh, I, I think you know, and and that I very much resonated with Lucy where she's you know caught up in history in a lot of ways um and though she knows how to fight that fight it's a fight she doesn't want to um so i i i saw that as an opportunity that's yeah now being closed off and i think in any time a door closes that's a bit sad um i think you know it wasn't like she was you know predestined to choose him before it was just that he was was there as a choice and now now he's very much not and And that's that's sad and also, he's probably going to die by the end of summer. So,
5: don't
2: say that, <laughs> jinx it. God, because like John, he has like some like you know they keep telling him not to sacrifice himself.
5: Yeah, like, they really.
2: <laughs> I know, like you know, there's like this reason, like oh, they keep saying it, it's going to happen, but it's going to make me really upsetting because like John, kind of like is okay with that. and I want him to be not okay with that. I want him to like have a will to live. Hmm.
4: Big sign. I, I want that to be his big triumphant moment of his own when he gets asked to be the Carmine dog and he just says no. And he no. just says,
2: no, I, I have shit to do. I have, I have kids to take care of. Yeah,
4: yeah uh, I can't take that responsibility for you. Ah yes.
2: I need him to say no.
1: You presume um, they'll let him
4: say no. No. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's part of it.
2: Well, it's um, a thought that counts. It's a thought that counts. It's the character development I'm looking for.
4: Okay, so to go
3: full tinfoil, which is, you know, the point of this yes, uh, he's been just so keen to get himself sacrificed recently that I've been wondering, because, you know, one of the first things we learned about him as a dog of war is that if you put him down, he will come back again. To the point that I'm like, is there something that he's bound not to say, or, you know, is is he trying to get him killed off in some way so we can come back and then do something new that, like, uh you know either Ooh. So, like the, the, the idea of that being one of his first things that was told about him and then sometime towards the conflict uh you know possibly the kineteers have to kill him or, or or you know something something happens that he dies and then he gets to come back and reveal ah this is why i had really wanted to die because now i get to do x y and z uh it's kind
2: of like I, some sort of like a shed
3: skin effect he's exactly, gonna have a cleanse exactly. status effect
2: Ooh,
5: <laughs> you know he's, um, he's had
3: memories that were stolen or something that he gets to come back and reclaim. I don't know.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm as a tinfoil hat theory. I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging it. I, I prefer that over like you know John just has like really like low self worth and like yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which, to be fair, seems more likely. But
2: it seems more likely, but I don't want it to be the case. Exactly. Or if it is the case, I want him to get over it, and then he lives. In the happily ever after we get to occasionally talk to Yalda somehow. I don't know. Maybe maybe Brie can visit and like after she's like taking control and like she'll like send Yalda out. She can pull the kids out. I'm sure like at some point she can like figure it out. If she like manages to like become this vessel for the power.
1: I think you're gonna die. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, that's that's the point of tinfoil right? It's not particularly sturdy, but it's shiny. So even if the the whole concept is totally flawed, I, I like the gleam of it.
4: Ah, yes, it's a great way of putting it.
2: Great way of putting it.
4: And in that one in a million chance you end up being right, you get to act like you were a genius. If you're
2: wrong, you're one. crazy. <laughs> Everyone expected it, but if you're right, you're a legend. Yes. What now we're talk, now we're talking about tinfoil hat theory. Does anyone have any anything particularly crazy they wanna mention after this
0: chat, after this uh this arc? Well, I was just gonna say, again, it's gotten to the point of this story where there are obviously threads that are dangling, but I I don't feel like I can look at the story and where it is and say, Oh I know what's gonna happen next. Like <laughs> I think there's probably about a seventy-five percent chance that we go back to Kennet and resolve the line beast thing. But then there's like a 25% chance that while well, Bo's just gotten attached to the blue heron is <laughs> there's still a few stories left to tell, so we stick around there a bit. Like God yes. I feel like I can guess where we're going next, but there's no it's so still so undefinite. <laughs> Indefinite, I guess is the word.
4: Right. How's this for a theory? tears. they're about to head back to it? Mm-hmm. But what's this? Oh no, it's some sort of time bubble, and they're stuck in there for for two years now, <laughs> so we're just going to go over to Sergeant Hall for a bit <laughs> and cl- and God, for two down the campus.
1: They pull a mini Ted. oh no Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: It's a part of me that wants you know that uh, that wants them to like go on their field trip to the fairy courts and oh, what's this? Mariska's mum's here, and then like <gasps> you you get to the end of that thread, and it's like oh, now we're going to you know some other interdimensional space and follow-. just I want I want wild to filibuster like 20 more years out of the story because it's just (laughs) it's just that fun
2: yes there's (laughs) so much actually we we didn't mention it in terms of like plot lines to resolve but like uh he's
5: yeah he's still
2: like dying and we haven't Mm -hmm. talked on however many arcs like he has like one story left to live he that that's another thing that we have to resolve you know so so here's here's my
3: current big hope for guillermay is that I, I went back and reread the chapter where they were interviewing uh, Mariska and Gilamay because fairies delightful, uh, but specifically uh, Gilamay says the words. Uh, oh, I, it's not verbatim, but he he says that uh, whatever happens as a result of this, whoever supersedes the Carmine Beast will shake things up in the area, could make things interesting. And so my hope is that he was subtly there, going, oh. there could be more stories in this. Uh, you know, that 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 yeah, whatever happens here, there's there's some hope. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the story, the last story he had left was mentioned to be a mystery, uh, and so my hope is that it's the mystery of the Carmine Beast, and it ends in a way that, you know, spins him off onto grand new adventures for tons of time to come.
2: You know, maybe, this might be a little bit of a tenfold hat, maybe maybe the last story he needs to see... This is the third time I'm mentioning this, but perhaps some sort of wacky apartment building, room, <laughs> some sort of sitcom where, you know, <laughs> Killer May's like stuck in the back. Oh, he's, he's, he's watching on the cameras. He's like, oh, wow, that's so wacky.
3: Oh, he May's managed- back?
2: <laughs> and you've managed to very naturally segue to that three
3: times. So now it has to happen. <laughs> Rule of three,
0: it has to happen. Such natural segues each time. <laughs> Rao wow. oh, should have more stopped me the third
2: time. Rao <laughs> lost his chance. Yeah. I uh I, I also
3: like the idea that if Gilmay does fall to winter, that doesn't necessarily mean the end of his story with Kennet. The idea that yes. uh Winterized Gilmay, the you know, the, the the frozen giant or whatever he becomes, uh, would still, you know, hang around in that cave. Yeah, he's teaching... not dead. Exactly, right? He's 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 winterized, and that's uh, you know he's not who he was um, except that also he he is who he was except he's only that now that if if this is the pattern that he gets <laughs> stuck a... in it's not that bad of a pattern you know
2: he's a big he's yeah. child
4: yeah. I mean that's, that's part of the thing for me is like fairy consider winter as like falling to death mm. but you know I kind of look at fairy culture ah. and I'm like
0: mm. you know yeah. if,
5: you if
4: know, that's
0: death for them maybe that's you? good because <laughs> we've seen what their life is like
4: uh, and yeah, as as the white chief said, like if Guillaume is going to fall into a pattern of being a helpful <laughs> old mentor who loves people, yeah, like Tragedy, Oh yeah. no, <laughs>
2: I, that's like a running theme because, like, when Nicolette came, he's like, "Oh, I want to give you whatever you want." And when Clem came, he was like, "Oh, uh, here's some helpful advice and a lightsaber uh, and a lightsaber. Take this; it's dangerous <laughs> outside. And even it's not even."
3: It just Even his, like, duel with Marissa where he was throwing a spear at her a bunch of times until she was trained into behaving a certain way. Like, training people is literally his, like, only shtick. Mm.
2: And it's not a bad one. It's, it's not a bad it's... one. It's not a bad one. I'm just... Because, you know, Guillerme clearly has like issues with it. So he, he's, like... it. It's a good pattern to fall into, but it's still, like, I'm sure, like, a scary thing for him to, like, grapple with, to, like... You know, losing your own mind and such—like it's, it—it's it, definitely you know bad by fairy culture, but I think there's definitely like a personal aspect to it where it's like mm. he's like losing a big part of it himself.
3: It it almost it's it, it almost feels like a creative person abandoning their dreams of being a rock star and settling down and getting a real job, right? Oh, where God. it's it's tragic for the person at the time and for a culture that's obsessed with drama and you know delight. You know the idea of okay, I'm I'm no longer gonna you know play big stadiums. I'm gonna be an accountant. Like that that feels like the end of everything, but it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. There are there are worse
4: things. I hope he finds Uh, happiness. It's it's kind of accepting, like for Guillemet, it's accepting that there's not going to be new things in his life, which is a bit tragic. But yeah, I I like maybe you can find peace and stability. Um, we haven't really seen an actual Winter Fairy. We've just seen. Ah, uh, some of the practitioners who interact with them.
5: Yeah.
4: Um. So, it'd be interesting to actually see the Winter Court. Wait, maybe meet some other Winter Fairy. I don't think
1: they're fantastic.
4: Killer May is. Oh, they're probably not and- going to be nice people. But I'd be <laughs> interested to hear their perspective on, like, whether they have, like, you know, died. Mm. Like, is it sort of this thing where they they see themselves as the enlightened fairies? So just like, do you know how much easier this shit is oh, now? Like, yeah. Oh my god.
2: Gyllermain's gonna be asking Marisha to join him soon, because <laughs> there was that. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. That's a tenfold hat there. But like, in like you know the whole fade doc a while back, like in the extra material, like the Fey, the Winter Fae we do see aren't necessarily like we had like uh that one guy who's trying to drag them all, that close person to May who became the journey. Like it's not. Some of them aren't aren't necessarily people I'd want to meet in a dark alley.
5: I just
1: feel that Winterfey are a lot, extremely rigid. Like, I can imagine if he falls to that and becomes this mentor figure, every person who comes by, he says, oh, hi, Lucy, and goes through this same script, goes through the same duel, and goes through this exact same lesson every time anyone comes by to Lucy or something like that.
5: I
2: saw like a Reddit comment or like something similar where it's like what would have been like really like horrifying after like the whole Clem speech is if like some random girl came by and he was like and let me tell you we live in a world of of where words matter and like yeah and just the whole verbatim repeat I guess there's like a uh, if it's his pattern to like be a cool mentor there's like the dark side where like. You know, not everyone he's teaching is gonna be like people who are suited for this life, or like who are necessarily have good intentions for the trio, right? Like, it, like the practice hasn't necessarily made their lives worse, but like there are a couple like innocents in the story, and like Charles can attest to it that like some people don't necessarily need the practice to or like this world to make their lives better.
0: So, what else should we touch on? We've done a fair amount of reflecting. Is it time for our <laughs> traditional question that we ask every single guest to oh, the show? No. Oh yeah. so,
4: I, I don't know. Wait, which one are you talking about, Ruben? Because I was going to hit them next with the "Who is your favorite Kenneth?" That's what I was going <laughs> <laughs> to. That's, <laughs> okay. <sighs> that's what I was referring to. Yes.
0: Okay. Oh dear. I, I mean, not "Who is your favorite Kenneth?" Elliot. The question is, <laughs> which is the best Kenneth? Uh, oh, sorry. Yes. Oh sorry. no! It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> It's Verona. not a subjective question. Okay. you are not allowed to. to Cam, just answer. coming out soon. Okay. All right, all right, Cam.
4: Cool. Okay, so we've got one correct answer. So Do you want to no.
1: justify
0: <laughs> or just just <laughs> chuck it out there?
1: Do I need to justify? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Some would say yes. God, I don't
1: I know. Won't. I just, I just find her very likable, very relatable.
2: Mm. I will say yep. that I was on the Verona train, but the recent arc. I think Lucy at least this is my my the best kind of tier on my tier list for this arc has to be Lucy. Uh she's really indeed herself to me this arc. The but- Good, last now that's I what real. I call the correct
0: answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so in order to round this out, yeah. <laughs> Duke, why do you like Avery?
3: <laughs> well, uh, see, see, it's very tempting, because I do love all of them, uh, and I want to say that I love them all equally, um, because, you know, that's the appropriate thing to do. Uh, uh-huh, and in one uh-huh. sense it's correct, right? That that I have gone over the course of the story to to loving mm. each of them yes, you know, very of dearly. Uh, yeah. I think when it comes down to it, uh, if I had to hypothetically if i had to see the story of just one of them uh you know the, the three of them are all tied together and they've all got wonderful stories to tell individually as well but i think if i had to hear only one of those stories the one that i couldn't i i wouldn't want to let go of is verona's right uh mm. that, i i see wow. that yeah that i uh, like the the others you you see a way out for them right you see how you know, Lucy is becoming the person that she wants to be. She's, you know, got the mm-hmm. earring that's sort of starting to reflect some of that. Um, she's, she's growing stronger. She's growing kinder. Um, uh, Avery, absolutely, so much stuff to get through still uh, with her home life and uh, her self confidence and mm-hmm. uh, sport. Apparently, I, I don't know. She loses points for me just for that. Not, not that I hate sport, <laughs> but I just I can't connect. Um, yeah. Holy moly! <laughs> but Verona. Is just in a situation in her life where, uh, like, there are hypothetical outs out there, and some of them are much worse than others, and I cannot tell which way she's going. That um, you know, and her story has to involve the others, right? Because we sort of seen where it goes if the others aren't involved. Um, but uh, just in the in the nightmare with uh, Alpi, but I I can't. Uh, Verona's still the one with the most sort of internal tension that's not yet to be resolved, uh, and so for that reason, uh, I vote. Ah, very I interesting. Admit, I immediately cringe away from it because I love them all. But
4: yeah. you no, know, what you're implying when you answer one can tear is the best is that you hate the other two. So now <laughs> yeah, <knows clearly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there can only be one
5: winner
0: here. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so, verona's won the vote. I mean, I think this is the first time Vrona has won the uh, vote on a reflecting uh, s- episode
1: like this. It only took seven.
0: <laughs>
4: uh, no one
5: took
1: uh,
0: seven. She, had a, she did have a good arc, though, so that's fair enough.
1: This was a very strong arc for her.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. She
4: condemned a guy to, like, eternal yeah. torment. Yeah, she killed someone. Ooh.
5: Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it only God. took Again, murder.
4: Reuben, I don't think he's dead.
1: I think sure, it's much sorry, worse yes. than him being dead. <laughs> she ruined his day.
0: Yep. And every day thereafter. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, should we, should we move on to some other stuff that we want to discuss? Uh, it's always worth us taking a look back at this arc, specifically this arc as a whole, especially diving into Gone Ahead as an arc title. What a fun, terrible pun mm, it is. Yeah. Um,
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank uh, you, Wildbo. Uh, yeah, officially confirmed <laughs> by Wildbo immediately <laughs> <laughs> after posting yep. the chapter, which you know he thought of it and was like, oh, I can't wait. To, yeah, <laughs> to reveal this pun to people. He was like,
3: chuckling the entire I could, time. I could see this pun coming like before the story's written. When he's just like, "What am I going to name my arc titles?" He's like, "Yes, this one is on the list. We're we'll going with this choice."
5: <laughs> uh... I
4: just love it's because it's such an augury thing as yeah. well. Like it's like it was spelled out for us that he was gonna <sighs> have a gone head. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, oh. oh man. Yeah. That, um, that Mario would describe the state of Alexander.
5: go on the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's
0: going to happen in the story. Just wait for the Super Mario crossover. It's uh, I'm z- waiting, I'm waiting. On a Super <laughs>
2: Mario other that, that Ray summons for class. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if anyone was going to summon it, Ray or Zed, right? Like they <laughs>
2: moved <meet> up against <laughs> M64. Zed has the gamer and, glove. Zed yeah. has the gamer glove. This
0: is how it all ties back. Yeah. They summon Super Mario, they summon Ben Drowned from a Cursed Legend of Zelda cartridge, oh, no, they all the video game copy pass to others.
4: Well, uh, what I think was so, I, I once read this really long post about how, so in the original Super Mario Bros., is oh, no. that first Goomba in the first level. Mm. And somebody was saying that's actually probably the video game enemy that's killed the most people in yeah. all the time. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got to summon that, the 1 the, the 1. Go-
3: Goomba. Goomba, yeah.
4: That's like one of <laughs> the, the most, most powerful, powerful
5: other that exists, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and like it's it's ah. almost
4: fifty fifty, right? Like, does it
3: you know? Yeah. Does 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 it you know act as Bailey in opposition at all, or does it instantly destroy the person in front of you?
5: <laughs> does yeah, it best instantly used destroy against,
4: you? <laughs> best used against novices. Notably, um. it can only move left. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it what comes is left. left? Oh, yeah. shit, I summoned it facing north. <laughs> oh, no. Oh,
3: now it's coming
5: towards me. Ah.
3: <laughs> just, like, standing in the corner, screaming as it just, like, inches towards you. <laughs> as it waddles over yeah.
4: Yeah, Um, it- I-, oh, I can time <laughs> this jump. I can jump over it. I've got this. Dun, 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 dun.
1: I-, I mean, this is dumb, but I was just going to mention that Goombas have a folklore to them. They might be in... <gasps> The packed verse. Wait, they the do. They versus. do. Oh, they do. No. Well,
5: what? Okay.
4: Everyone, stay tuned for a monster coming next week. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm, I'm researching Goombas.
5: Oh, so we
3: we found the Carmine Killer, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, it was, it was uh,
0: yeah Goomba. Um. So anyway, to get back on track. <laughs> are <there> any, <laughs> enough. Are there any other thoughts? Any other thoughts about this arc? About the arc title or anything else that we want to dive into? Yeah.
4: I'll, I'll quickly go in and and do the definition part which is like you know to go ahead or to get the go ahead it's like you know to get the go ahead is to get like a signal from someone to proceed um you know like how uh alexander was meant to give the go ahead to unleash durashay's mate um there's also like you know if if someone goes ahead with something that's to continue or proceed uh especially if there are problems or challenges um so we obviously addressed the uh the big pun, but like I felt like the other big sort of way this ties into the arc for me is like so much of this came down to whether or not people like Bristow are actually giving the go ahead, like like you know for things like the aware. Like Bristow was constantly hiding behind this bullshit of like, oh I didn't tell Kevin to kill him. Mm. I just mm. simply put him in that room and was like, hey look at that picture. Okay bye. Um. So I you know like whether whether he was actually giving the go ahead, I think was sort of a big part of it.
3: Uh I've written way too much in the notes here, uh, but, but the bit that I'll pull out, uh just that idea of uh people going ahead with something despite warning comes up, you know, a few times here. Um notably when Shelley tells Kevin, "Hey, there was a kid in that fight uh, in, in that uh, gas station fire. That's not cool." Oh, hey, here's this photo of this other kid. Let's let's do the same thing. Um, and he goes ahead with it. <laughs> um, uh the brownies uh get the go ahead to go after bristow and then after verona and then after bristow and then after verona and then after bristow um the the moment where bristow uh goes ahead with you know giving himself over to the uh brownies rather than whatever other fates uh were available to him when you know alexander said oh there's a way we can talk about this and verona sort of offered that olive branch a bit and bristow was like nah I'm, i'm i'm heading out um uh, an honourable mention to the Brownies who uh, went ahead with taking Bristow, even though this condemns them to have to be in his presence for the foreseeable future.
4: Um, <laughs> A uh, twist. At, Are they the real losers? Yeah. And, and, they,
3: and just, they're
0: actually suffering the fate worse than Exactly, <laughs> exactly. This
3: was this was the trap Alexander set up all along. Um, but I, I think ultimately just that, because I was pulling all of these together and to some degree it just comes, to, comes down to characters doing things. Um, but I, I think th- throughout the sense of going ahead with something uh despite the warnings that come up uh ties into this idea of uh characters and you know groups and things having this momentum right that they're they're going to keep on acting the way that they're going to act without uh paying attention to the consequences right that bristow mm-hmm. goes ahead with his plan uh even though it's going to mean you know lila dies and you know the the blue heron institute has shrunk down alexander goes ahead with his plan even though it means turning on his last few allies um Whereas the Kennetiers pay attention, right? When the, the the little people who are being trodden over, they they listen to them. They reach out. They make the connections, and they still go ahead with certain things when they need doing. Uh, but ultimately, they're they're the ones paying attention and not just sort of, you know, plowing through things without paying attention to the consequences.
1: Hmm. Anyone else? I just no. took it pretty literally. Um, <laughs> Ted went ahead to challenge the group. John went ahead to kill Alexander. <laughs> Everyone's just going ahead to do one thing that's really fucking scary, and that's it.
4: I mean, yeah, because like Avery, I like yeah, as as a fairly like simple one as well. Avery spent a lot of this arc going out oh, ahead, yeah. to sort of scout like, yes. to the arena monster. Um, that time Lucy kicked her into the ruins. Um, that wasn't so much going ahead as being sent ahead. I Sometimes, guess yes. Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm of, I'm of campus mind mostly here. I just really like that pun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I didn't realize it was a pun until you all started talking about it.
2: <laughs> I, I had to look, look. I had to read the Reddit comments. It, it is what it is. I liked it.
4: Yeah, yeah. I I had people pointed out to me. I, I was just sort of chatting. Somebody who was like, "Oh, it's the best pun ever," and I was like, "What? What's the pun?" And they're like, "Alexander's gone." I I was like, oh <laughs> no! Oh my
5: God.
3: I think Lucy says it. Uh, maybe not in that order. I think she's gone. His head is gone. But ah, uh, it's just yeah. Well, Alexander's <laughs> so, gone pale. You say yeah. <laughs> just for a, a man who thought so highly of himself to go out for a
2: pun—it's yeah, tragic.
0: <laughs> but such a good one. It's worth it, I think, for such a good pun. I
2: wasn't expecting it from Beau, and, and I think that really makes it.
3: <laughs> I'd like oh. to think that there were times during writing this arc that he um, you know, was like, okay, and now Alexander gets oh wait, no, I can't put him there because he does need to
2: get his head blown off at the end
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe that's where Alexander's been all his time Very interesting <laughs>
0: Um <laughs> Uh, cool. So I guess we should dive into some theories and stuff now, right? Like ah, yes. The other obligatory question we always have to ask is who's who? Who's done it? Who done who? Who does it? Um, Yeah, this
4: this is the time for bold and specific bold and specific yes. yeah, I've you got
0: to call theories. Straight.
1: All right, this <laughs> is I've got a weird one.
0: All right, hit us.
1: Um, I don't think it's Charles.
0: What? What? <laughs> Very
4: curious.
1: Very, sp- and my reasoning for this is simple: in a murder mystery, it is never the most obvious person.
4: It it does feel like he has to have been involved in, like at least helping make it yeah. an require, right? Yeah.
1: It feels but that way, but is we, it? Yeah,
2: against his know, will, maybe.
1: And we know he has bad karma. We know the world is against him.
2: The bad, yeah, that's true. That's true. He's basically mm. designed to be a red herring.
5: A carmine He yes. is a very Oh yeah he it... takes
0: the position.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess like that makes it because if you think about it in universe as well, like if I was doing this and it's like, well, I need somebody who they're gonna like. Wait, m- like, I need somebody to sort of make them think it was them. You need yeah. a fall guy. you to pick he's a jobs. good fall yeah. guy. I mean, he, like, explicitly, like, oh, he's do- a fall guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do summoner stuff so people will think it's Charles because and he's got bad karma, so they'll probably just go down that
1: route. Like, yeah, all, all they needed was masks, just masks, that <laughs> got pointed at him.
2: Well, I think out of all of the uh, of the others, I think Matthew coincidentally has the at least the possibly the practitioner knowledge to take advantage of that. I I do I do see
3: someone like a practitioner at some point being poised to take the furs just because the sense of a practitioner is taking over the role that was meant to be an other so like, neatly ties into things. I don't know that that's the way it's mm-hmm. going to end, but I could see it, like, uh, that, that being a point. Even if it's just the Kenneteers get their hands on the furs at some point and then they go, if we done this we could have ultimate power um, so that they can turn it down. Uh, yeah, I, I I, could see that. I, I I see that in the future. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um. Okay, so Camtus is betting it's not gonna be Charles. Who are you feeling, White Duke? Uh
3: okay, so uh if I if I'm gonna be like basic for a second, I think the evidence currently points towards some sort of uh Marissa Edith conspiracy. Uh I think Marissa okay. okay. uh, you know, being mentioned as someone who absconds you know, children, uh, potentially, but then like potentially divvies them up for you know, cures to ailments and things, uh was a a a little throwaway line in the uh, her you know right. introduction with Gillamay. Right. Um, so I could see my some basic prediction. Marissa, you know, co-conspired with Edith uh, because Marissa wanted to spin a story because she likes Gillamay. Um, and also the killing of the Carmine Beast could make things like drastically <sighs> interesting across the across the area. Um, Edith needs the Carmine Furs because she's in a dire situation, the doom's coming after her. Um, so uh, and you know, and it's trapped for now, but there's there's basically a t- ticking time bomb on that. Um, and and she herself is fleeting, and in, in in a more general sense. So, uh, and if she's either working out from under Matthew or hoping to like get powerful enough to destroy the doom, whatever the case is, there's there's a tension there that's sort of just sort of sitting there. And Matthew seems to think they're okay living with, but either definitely does not seem to think it's okay to just continue like this. Um, so that's my basic theory. Right. My out there theory uh, is that the Carmine Beast isn't really dead um i ah. uh, i've you know it's it's one of those things where it was sort of brought up early on that death for a thing like the Carmine beast isn't you know as cut and dry as it is with mortals right um that there's uh, a sense in which you know because the power was <gasps> oh, still there oh i see where this is going there. okay okay so uh you know I've also been paying attention to the arc titles and trying to sort of spin together what's the what's the overarching theme and there seems to be something to do with like leaving or vanishing you know it's gone sure cool um, thing perhaps exactly know. right so my my theory is uh that like a magic trick because this is a story about young girls learning magic uh the carmine beast has disappeared and will reappear um, yeah. that's, that's the, the theory is that at some point the carmine beast will uh be brought back like a magic trick. Um, i do
0: quite like this theory
3: yeah
4: because we had that there was a bit at the end of uh can we talk about the girls um where it sort of became apparent that they somebody has the furs and they're planning on putting them on but what if it's just like like you said what if they've just taken the furs and and like separated the carmine beast and the role from who was wearing it and so you know If there was some little red (laughs) person (laughs) in town, some
2: mm, very someone new to town who wasn't here before,
4: Cherry Pop is the consciousness of the Carmine Beast. without very You heard it here first. (laughs) The thing that makes (laughs) men fear the
3: night.
1: (laughs) Look, guys, the first stage is denial.
5: (laughs) Holy holy. (laughs) moly!
1: Also, this may be a bit of a cop out, but don't we already kind of have the boring answer in that the Hungry Choir did it? Well, yeah, but just the murder weapon.
2: They're the murder weapon. Y'all just pointed at the car I mean. Someone did the pointing. That's the thing we're looking for.
1: Now we're looking for the pointer.
4: At this point, for me, who done it is talking about who made the yeah, whole. Yeah. Uh, yes, the Hungry yes, Choir. Yes, yes. Who engineered the it that way?
3: I'm still not entirely clear how the Hungry Choir like. Did they just like bite the Carmine Beast over and over? Like, did they just like eat chunks of it? Like the mechanics of that? Car- yeah, no,
1: the Carmine Beast didn't sing the song. Uh, of
2: oh, because like we get like ideas like how like how hard it'd be to kill the Carmine Beast, right? Like when we're like first meeting the judges, right? They're like, oh. How do you kill the carmine beast? Can you make all violence stop across Toronto or something like mm. that? And it's like, that. does the Hungry Choir really have that kind of power? That,
3: Although actually, if if it transported the carmine beast to its dimension as the beast okay. that needed to get eaten, uh, then in its realm all of the, like, other people in Toronto become, like, the weird oh, faceless okay. witnesses things, right? oh, I see, I see. So, possibly, see. in the Hungry choir, oh, okay. you know, sub-dimension or whatever, there is no violence apart from quote the unquote, choir no itself. Vi- okay, okay. And if that ritual comes to an end, like and that. then they end up just, like, eating the Carmine Beast that was served as dinner.
2: I do like this theory, not gonna lie, because, like, as an explanation for, like, how could the Hungry Choir have, like, the power or the means to, quote-unquote, stop all violence and in toronto or whatever Mm. i like that i like that way of figuring it all out okay yeah i'm down for this yeah my my prediction wasn't quite as uh flashy um (laughs) what was it i i was doing the boring one with like edith and matthew but like i the thing that was bothering me was like from the interrogation right like they get to the interrogation, a lot of them about is like their home life, right, and like how they consider family and like
5: the doom mm, is yeah, yeah, in their lives.
2: Yeah. I, so first one, this is a side theory, but I kind of maybe Matthew follows his dad's footsteps a little bit and he extends his life somehow, because it's really between the two technically. uh Matthew's the one that's like, quote unquote, in terms of like living a long fulfilling life. It's whether he gets killed somehow. It seems a little bit perhaps convenient that he knows a little bit of uh, magic to extend his life. Hmm. But hmm. in terms of actually who did it, I think, you know, Edith and Matthew did it, uh, killed the carmine beast, and somehow that power is going to translate to, you know, taking out the dude. Like, maybe one of them wears it. And, like, similar to how the carmine beast was going to, you know, um, Forcibly recruit uh, May. Maybe they do that to the Doom and they co opt it somehow. Mm. This is how they start the family they've always been wanting. <laughs>
5: mm.
2: Not necessarily like the Doom, but like the Doom will be out of the
0: picture, <laughs> yeah. quote unquote. The yeah. Two of them and their young baby Doom. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I like, I think that's a, a strong motive for Matthew and Edith, right? They're, they're clearly like, so desperate to get out from it's under gonna the be thumb sympathetic.
2: I, I refuse to like believe that, like, you know Matthew's just like scheming in the background like all the kind of like the kind of others are like relatively chill they're like they're just hanging out in this like small Canadian town like I'm not expecting anything like like truly like nefarious right
1: yeah yeah I'm kind of hope I'm kind of I know I keep I keep laughing at the idea of this having a Scooby-Doo ending (laughs) if it weren't for you rotten kids (laughs) and your possum too
5: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, who's the most likely really? to to be the Scooby Doo villain, though?
1: Unfortunately, Charles. Unfortunately, Charles. <laughs> no,
0: it is. He just looks like a Scooby Doo yeah. villain, doesn't just Sort he? of shaggy, <laughs> janitor
2: type. Shaggy, homeless. Yeah. yeah, he's he's such an obvious red herring, but yeah, he manages to like still be relevant
0: in terms of like an investigation. Yeah, it's fun because you know he's a red herring, but you also can't help but think that yeah. it still might be him. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, my... but yeah because he's so obvious, so he couldn't be the suspect exactly But is that what Walbo <laughs> wants <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no
2: how many done.
3: layers
4: yeah how many layers deep does this yeah. karma go it well, it's like playing with fairy, right? yeah like he just oh, gonna, you can't try it you,
0: yeah. you can't try get on that no want too, too much, to much double do think. <laughs>
3: uh, my last sort of specific predictions uh I think toad swallow is one of the more interesting I mean they're all fascinating, but of the kin and others, the one who's. Uh, sort of playing things close to the chest, not just in a uh i 'm being cagey around these you know new practitioners in town because he 's he 's familiar with you know young practitioners right he knows their games, he knows what they 're capable of, instead he feels like he 's keeping secrets like for the long term right like whatever happens in Kennet he right. wants to he wants to be ready my My read on toad swallow and it, it partly ties back to the awakening ritual as well um because uh, you know i i 'm still like every arc or so bringing back up that you know list of who entered by what and left by what and seeing if i can you know tease that apart and i think you know right. that's a, a trap to some degree because you know my brain is just going to go around in circles um but i think right. my current sort of uh general theory is that what they entered by uh, is you know associated with who they are or what they are currently and what they left by is their like future trajectory is in where they want to go or where they're going ah
2: um, okay. okay
3: so uh you get the example of uh uh John, who enters by the blade and leaves by the blade, which makes sense. Uh most of the goblins who enter by the blade, violence, uh makes sense for them, and leave by uh the skull, because, you know, death is what awaits goblins in the end. Um, except for Toad Swallow, who enters by the blade, like any other goblin, but leaves by the hourglass, um, in the sense that I think he's uh he's the goblin who's changing with the times, right? He's the one who's willing ah, to put on the suit and the monocle. He's uh dressing up CEO he's the goblin. <laughs> mm.
5: <laughs>
3: he's you know, he's dealing with practitioners. He's he's I think in the narrative of others versus practitioners in the power dynamic there, I think Toad Swallow is the closest thing we have to like a class trader, right? Where he's Yes yeah, you know like, he's the one who's going, All Of you know, my options laid out in front of me, I'm going to recognize the way the wind is blowing, I'm gonna see how practitioners are taking everything over, and so I'm gonna, you know, bend myself to, you know, be a polite goblin if that's what it takes for me to advance uh-huh. in the future, right? Um my my sense there is that uh I think it was mentioned uh, previously, people have had the theory that uh, Toad Swallow's plan is just to, you know, swap sides whichever way the wind blows, you know, whichever side he thinks is going to end up donning the the carmine furs, uh, he wants to, you know, join on their side. I I, I want to go a step further and say that uh, Toad Swallow is planning to support the New World Order, um, and he has a specific intention of what that looks like in terms of. Uh, either there being no Carmine Beast, or there being a practitioner who fills the role of what the Carmine Beast was meant to be, uh, but that Toad Swallow is setting up and planning to be the new breed of Goblin, the new breed of Other, the one who sort of grovels before the practitioners because that's what he needs to do to survive.
2: I mm. I really like this theory, especially because, like, Toad Swallow, you know, he's building a faction in the background. He's playing the...
5: Mm.
2: Uh, mm. I really like his quote-unquote neutral party in the background whichever side wins the goblins now have a bigger saying, Kenneth especially if the new Kenneth, the new Kenneth others get off that like second class citizen status they're on right now hmm.
4: I am totally on board with there's something about Toad Swallow
5: <laughs>
4: but I I kind of have a bit of an opposite I, like opposite read on him, I think he might be like very much on the same page as Miss. Maybe mm. it's just because I like him. But yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> hoping he's gonna he's gonna be the opposite. He's gonna be somebody who's helping things fall into place. Maybe that's overly optimistic, but I got my heart. I got my heart on you know Toad Swallow's side.
1: I thought he was doing all of that just to fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> like basic, basic Goblin 101. The motive is to fuck uh, with people. Yes,
2: we're we're giving him too much label here. Perhaps perhaps Maybe. what he
1: wants us to think. <laughs> A bit too much credit.
2: Much too much credit. I was going,
3: you know, for a goblin to bend over backwards to, you know, you know, be polite to be, you know, like Sir Toad, Toad Swallow. Uh, you know, he ha- must have to have some bigger plan, but he is a goblin, so maybe he doesn't. <laughs> maybe he just, maybe he just likes the,
0: it. Screws with people to go. Why is he wearing a monocle? I do like that idea.
3: Um,
0: all right. Uh, do we have any final things to think about for going ahead or pale in general? Any final reflections? I'm glad we finally heard about the Oni. I was
2: going to scream if, for the third time, the yeah. Oni lore was denied. The Oni did nothing wrong. Swan had that. Yep. The, in-
5: They're the heroes. Yep. The story.
0: Well, I guess that's as good a place to leave it as any. Yeah. Uh, Camtist, uh, Side Zero, White Duke. Thank you all for joining us. Um, glad do you to have anything that you want to? Plug or, or, you know, mention to our listeners.
1: Um, we could mention the Discord server. Oh yeah. yes,
0: the Discord server.
1: So we're all coming from the Parahumans Discord server, which is a little hard to get to nowadays. <laughs> um, the link for it is buried in the FAQ section of the Ward site.
3: on I pale site? I think there's an invite on the subreddit as well. Uh, in the in the uh, the Parahuman subreddit.
1: There should be, I believe. I'm not. I have to double check, but yeah, there's a lot of people who talk about the ser- serial over there. If anyone wants to join in, mm-hmm.
3: uh, we'll make sure that uh, Ruben and Elliot put a link in
0: the uh,
1: yes, you definitely know, in the show notes. Show notes,
3: yes, yep. And if I say confidently enough, they'll have to do
0: it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh. gonna be there. <laughs> and Elliot's editing, so I don't have to worry about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. some
3: sort of trick. Right. <laughs> it's a it's a great place to uh, come chat about pale as it comes out. Um, there's a, a thriving packed dice community, so if you're ah, interested, yes. if you're interested in the idea of uh, not just following along with these characters, but taking on the role of some poor soul who's been put into a practitioner lifestyle, uh, there are you know games starting all the time. So uh, come on over, check it mm-hmm. out. Um, mm-hmm. There's delicious, delicious lore there.
2: So. Ah, yes, the lore. We need to. Hmm. There is there is lore there, and there are perhaps packed dice dogs made by <laughs> Wild
1: though. It is a little it is a little bubblegum and duct tape, but it's fun. <laughs> the 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 hangmaiden dock yep.
4: I talked about uh, in yes. our previous episode uh was one that I found on that server. So that's the sort of stuff you'll find. There you is there.
2: there's a collector dock as well, and I was thinking about it. And perhaps we form some sort of streak here with the with the some sort of collection of mile End, I guess some sort of set. <laughs>
1: there's um. <laughs> a lot of fun stuff
0: yes yes lots of games um awesome well yeah again thanks for joining us obviously it's been great to have you on and, and hear your reflection um if uh uh we will uh yeah we'll pop, pop the link uh to the discord server in our show notes down below uh so definitely check that out and uh, while you're checking things out, why not check out our Twitter account, which is at Media MT Podcast. You can follow <laughs> oh, us on Twitter yeah. <laughs> and see notifications when episodes come out and live reads and stuff like that. Uh,
4: yes. You can also head to doofmedia.com to find out more about this show or any of our other shows. Uh, you know, there's just too many to list at this point. Do the Right Thing is currently, I think, wrapping up a big contest. And mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if you want to get your creative writing on, check that one out.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you want to support the Doof Media Network, you can head to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia and become a backer uh, to get access to all kinds of exclusive things like a Discord server or bonus content or all kinds of great stuff.
4: (laughs) And don't forget Wabo's Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wabo. We wouldn't all be here today uh, without Wabo.
0: Yeah, so make sure you definitely go and check it out. And that's the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, And, yeah, see you around.